Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Number two of filling up your family. And the series title is uh, written by one Jeff Gunn. Uh, and, And as we look at this, these are all things that have happened in his life. While on a trip with his family, flat tires, lost keys, wrong directions, and trashed interiors, and none of them were his fault. That is the word, the message he gave us as we wrote this. But... Uh, One of the things that as we looked at this title is this, is we're looking at our families, whether you're a family of of one or a couple people or a group going forward, that there are things that go wrong. There just are. And any vacation that you think of, there's usually something that goes wrong. And what made us see this even more is uh, Jimmy Fallon has this Twitter where he has hashtag vacation fails. And uh, Phil Bischoff, our, our youth minister, staff minister, uh, sent me the link to that. It was great. Of all the Twitters that people sent, sent in that he read on what goes wrong in, or on a vacation. And one of them was uh, a, a boy, when he was younger, it happened, and now he's older, that he said his dad and him were sleeping in the tent, and they heard a bear and they knew they had to go over and get the bear out of the camp. So they went out of their tent, went over there, and it was their mother in another tent snoring. (laughs) Another one was uh, someone when he was a young child, also a mom-related one, he wanted to go on Space Mountain. And his dad like refused, said, I'm not doing it. And mom said, I'll go. And she stayed with him all the way through line. They, They were the next one up. And she said, nope, walked away, and he had to go on Space Mountain then with strangers. And it, and it made me laugh, because there, there are many, many of these, and I realized, let, let's be honest, we don't need to listen to these on YouTube. You have as good a ones as these, I'm sure. I mean, that I think back to when I was a kid, there were eight kids and my, my two parents in a station wagon. And I remember specifically going to my grandma and grandpa's, and it was two hours away, and my dad had a firm, I mean firm, no stopping rule. So line up for the bathrooms. Before we go, I'm not stopping. Two hours to get home. And it was Christmas, which happened to be my birthday, and my grandpa Salofra told me, Dan, don't, I don't care what your mom says. You can have as much soda and cake as you want because you're at grandpa's house. And on the way home, about halfway home, I threw up all over my sister who was holding me. At that time, I was five years old. And I threw up on my sister. And she's like, oh, you threw up on me. And my dad just cracked the window and kept going. Never never stopped, never pulled over. And now I have gotten that from my dad, that, that there are certain time parameters and windows in which people can go to the bathroom in our, you know, we'll stop to go to the bathroom, okay? But these are hundreds of miles apart. And that, that as we're driving, I remember once looking up and, and seeing my daughter, maybe seven years old, just, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you know, oh, you're breaking my heart, what's wrong? 
I have to go to the bathroom and I know you're going to be mad at me. And it's like, another two hours, girl, we'll be there. Don't worry, you can hold it. I love you. But, but when you think about that, there are all kinds of, of different stories, and, and I'm, I'm sure you all have them. And, and that's why as you look at this idea of flat tire, lost keys, wrong directions, and trashed interiors, what, what I'd like you to think about is these by category. First of all, flat tire. Most of the time, I, I suppose there could be exceptions, but I want you to think in flat tire of, it's really no one's fault. That, that when you look at the flat tire, if the tire goes flat, that it's, it's just a, a difficult situation and your stress that the whole group in the car has to deal with. The lost keys, that's someone else's fault because it's certainly not mine just because I was driving, okay? Let's, no, the lost keys are my fault. Let's face it, I, I, I know I, I turned the car off and... And then I yell, you should have gotten them, honey, out of the ignition. That was your job. They go in your purse, remember? But no, that's my fault. Wrong directions? That's someone else's fault. That's Siri's fault now. But, uh, but, but when you look at that, if somebody tells you where to go and it's wrong, it's now someone else's fault. And then the trash and interiors? Oh, that's the kids. That's totally the family. Those are those who are really close to you. And they, you know, you told them, no drinking soda, no french fries, no chips, and yet there is the stained seat that I still have from when we moved down here. Chili cheese fries was not the good option. Yeah, that was four, it stains four years old. But anyways, I digress. The point is this, is that when we're in a family situation, uh, when we are with groups of people, there are going to be things, our fault, their fault, no one's fault, that we are going to have to deal with. And so what can happen in these, and, and you know this, that there are times in very extreme situations where once that happens, the vacation's over, okay? That, that some of these, that, that somebody, if you've ever had someone in your family, maybe who's got a real temper, we're done. This is over, we're going home, we're leaving early, it's done. Or maybe, in your family, it lasts three days of not talking to each other, uh, of, of just this stress and tension that makes everyone wonder why we didn't just go home because we're having such a, a miserable time. Or, maybe you don't think this is possible, that maybe you resolve these things immediately, forgive one another, and have a great time. Maybe, maybe that seems like something that, that doesn't seem possible. And I'm not just talking about vacation, but I'm talking about daily living with individuals. And it seems that it's, it's more difficult, especially as we think about filling the family, going on a trip because you're in such a confined area, right? That it seems to intensify that. But we'll see that there are different times, whether it be at work, whatever the relationship is, where you can fill up your family and enjoy the peace that God wants you to enjoy. Now, as we begin, we're going to start with Mark 3, 20 to 21. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. 
So this is Jesus' family saying, Jesus, you're nuts. You're crazy. You, 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 know, you need to stop this whole ministry thing. You need to stop everything you're doing and come home to Nazareth and get some rest. And Jesus saying to them, that's not going to happen. Uh, he goes on to say later, you know, my mother and my sister and my brothers are, are those, those are, who are here with me or taking part in my ministry. But, but the point of this is, is for the fill-in, you can write, every family has issues. Every family has issues. Now, here's what you need to do. Don't look at the family you came with. Look at some other family here. They have issues. This family knows they have issues. They all came together, right? Yeah, we got issues. And, and yet there's, there's sometimes when you go to the Grand Canyon, you think your kids are the only ones screaming. That, that you think you're the only one in the hotel room where no one's talking or, or where there's an argument or where there's an argument on where you're going to eat or whatever it is. Every family has issues. Every family needs to be filled up. And these things that, that cause stress or can cause stress or stressful situations are going to come everyone's way. And, and so maybe I share that because misery loves company. I don't know. But, but more so to understand that when you have a situation where there are people like you here today who have confessed that you are sinful, that, that you, you sin in your thoughts, words, and actions, uh, you, you do things you wish you wouldn't have done, and other times you just do things on purpose to hurt people, that because of that, we have issues. Now, where do we start in dealing with them? We start in Romans 5, and we go there now. Romans 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to read that again because it's my favorite, at least one of my favorites. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a refrigerator verse, okay? This is one you write on a piece of paper, you get a magnet, you put it on your refrigerator, and every time you go to get some food, every time you go to get a drink, you read this. Because you cannot hear this too many times. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace, you have peace, I have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace, this undeserved love. We live in grace, undeserved love, in which we now stand. The place where you're standing right now is, is in a place where God loves you and cares about you in, in a way that you don't deserve, that it's unconditional, and it's all through Jesus. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We look forward. We look forward to the day, one day, when we will be with our God. You cannot think about this too much. That when you meditate, meditate means that you chew on it and, and you go again and again, you chew it and mull it over again and again. That we have peace with God. Now, when, it, when I... This is the way my mind thinks of this. As a country, we have peace with Canada. Okay? So when we have peace with Canada, 
It's the world's largest unprotected border, right? So, so when there is an issue in our country of violence, we don't immediately say, Canada, Canada at it again, uh, you know, sending militants down here. At 9-11, when, when the planes went in the tower, we didn't say, Canada, let's go north and, and find out where this is coming from. No, we never think that way because we're at peace with Canada. Canada, not only do we have peace, but Canada is our ally. But how come it is when, when we look at this, when something goes wrong in our lives, when we have a flat tire, when we have lost keys, when we have any one of these things, the trashed interiors, the wrong directions, we immediately look up, God, why are you doing this to me? And that is not the response of someone who's looking at their fridge every day, three times a day minimum, and saying, through Jesus Christ, I have peace with God. And I'm telling you right now, until you get that peace in your head and, and let it go through your head and in your heart and in your whole being, you are not going to have peace with your family. You're just not. Because the peace you have with family flows from the peace that you have with God and your relationship with Jesus. In the blank, you can write, our peace with family will come through our peace with God. Jesus loves you. I don't, I don't know how many times or how many different ways to say it. The Bible says it a bunch of different ways. But he loves you so much. You are forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ in God's eyes, things couldn't be better than they are right now because of what Christ has done. Okay, so now we go one more step. You have peace with God. Now we deal with the suffering part. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Okay, so now it's the situation we have peace with God. Now what am I going to do with suffering? I'm going to look at it a different way. We're going to get to that in a moment, but I want to clarify what kind of suffering we're talking about. The next verse is from 1 Peter 2, 19 and 20. talks about suffering. It says, For it is commendable for someone, if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. So it's showing two different types of, of suffering. You can suffer for doing what is wrong and you can suffer for what is doing what, doing what is right. So a situation like this, just a random one would be, imagine if, if you're in a work setting and you have a Christmas party. And at your Christmas party, you go and you have way too much to drink. Um, you make a complete idiot out of yourself. And now you're in this situation where, you know, people at, at, at work are making fun of you. You said stupid stuff and it's just coming back to haunt you. Plus the next day when you go to work, you're hungover and, and you're just suffering and you're in misery. Does you no good. That is unproductive suffering. That's you getting what you deserve. 
But now I want you to think about it a little different way. I want you to think about the place where you work and people there know that you're a Christian. It's not like you're totally in their face about it or anything like that, but they know you're a Christian. They, they, they know you believe in Jesus and, uh, and because of that, they start to make fun of you a little bit of, oh, can't do anything on Sunday, that's church time, or, ooh, I said a bad word, sorry for saying that in front of you. And so they're kind of giving you a hard time about the whole church thing. And, and if you've ever been in that situation, which I have, you, you just take it. And then what seems to happen eventually over time, one of those people who's making fun of you wants to talk to you outside of the break room because they have issues going on in their life. And they recognize, they look at the way that you've handled the whole situation, how, how, how you do that, and, and there's something about them that, that, that they see and they value your input. That is a suffering, it is, that's suffering, and it's commendable. It's commendable before God because you, when you suffer for doing what is right, that, that God sees that and it, and it shows the faith that's in your heart, it's in our hearts. So in the blank you can write, productive suffering only comes from doing what is right. Now, we're going to get specific with that verse uh, the one before it, and talk about the suffering. So, in the blank, we'll fill in the blank right away. These were on the sheet just before. So, suffering produces, please, perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope, and hope takes us to heaven. Now, as you, you, you think about this, I'm, I'm going to explain just kind of how these work in a physical way. First of all, that suffering, purposeful suffering, is, is how it's productive. Suffering produces perseverance. And the way that this works is that if someone decides, you know what, I'm going to, to get in shape. And I want you to think maybe like the first day of Biggest Loser, when, when someone is in there and they, can't, they can barely walk, and they, you know, they're trying to do push-ups and they do maybe five push-ups. But the next day they come back and they walk a hundred more yards and they do one more push-up. And then the next thing you know, it's a month later and they're doing 20 push-ups in a row. And they're, they're walking three miles and, and whatever it is. And, and so it's slowly, slowly until they're doing more and more. And the reason why is suffering produces perseverance or endurance. When you do that with your body and you, you work hard, your body is strengthened. Then what happens is perseverance produces character. So now that you see that works, that, that you realize there are no shortcuts, that the way has been made clear to you of how you are to go forward and the results that come as a result. You, like I say, you don't cut corners anymore, but you're committed to doing what is right. Then once you do that, the character produces hope because now whatever you are looking forward to as your goal, the thing you're looking forward to, you know is in reach and that you have been putting in the work to get that done. And then finally, in a spiritual sense, hope takes us to heaven, that it points us ahead to where our God is and we trust him and we live by faith in him.
Now, as an example that the, of the way this is done, I would use uh, the Olympics as an example. We can go with the U, uh, U.S. women's gymnastics team. If you've ever seen the, the footage of the Caroli Ranch where they go, the Caroli Ranch is, is the place where they go and they, the team, them, uh, they go and they practice together. It is a place of suffering. It, it is a place of misery as these girls push each other to do one more pull-up, one more backflip, one more whatever it is, and they keep their eye on the prize. And as they do that, they continue to do it. It, it develops character that they know this is the way to do it. This is the way. And, and we trust the process to get this done. And so they have hope. They have aspirations of where they're going to be on the world stage. And then finally, when they get to the Olympics, you, you have this opportunity to realize that hope. But here's the deal that you need to understand. The hope is not the Olympic medal. Because there are other girls there from other countries as well. And, and when they do, the, the, you go there, the, the idea of the hope is not that you try to be something you're not, that not that you get a medal that's not within your power to, to reach because others are more gifted, but rather when you do that, the goal is to be the best within your ability. And that is why when you start to understand that, it, it, there would be times when, when you see runners or gymnastics people or whoever it is, they put their flag over themselves when they didn't win the gold. Why, why did you do that? Your first loser. No, you know, that's the way we think. Unless you get that, unless you get that specific thing. But let's face it, if you watch the Olympics and, and you watch a lot of it in a lot of different sports, there are many countries whose athletes do not win medals that make their countries more proud than athletes that win gold medals. That's what this is talking about, is that as you look at that, that you trust, that you do what is right, you put in the time, and, and, the, and what you are being recognized for are the most important things. Now, what does this mean for our lives, filling up the family? I am telling you, the hardest work, the hardest work in a family is forgiveness, and the hardest person to forgive is the person you came here with today. Especially when you're in these, these close situations, when, when the sins, theirs or yours or, or whoever's it is, affect you in a very real way. Twelve most important words in a marriage. I've used these before. I was wrong. I am sorry. I forgive you and I love you. That when I look back, and, and my wife would probably agree with me, when we, when we first got married, uh, that was an area of, of forgiveness that uh, I'll just say we both needed to grow. And the reason why is because we're both stubborn. I mean, big time stubborn, and we're, we're both right very often. <laughs> and, and what would happen is that I would be in situations like this. I'll tell you, I'm, you know, every family has issues. I'm the biggest issue in my family. I could have one issue ruin the next three days, not just of a vacation, but of life. 
not talking to one another, tension. Kids don't want to be in the same room. Dog doesn't want to be in the same room. Sees me coming and, and just, and leaves. And so I do the, the first push-up. The first push-up, I was wrong. Oh, whew. sore for days after that. I, I was wrong, and I'm sorry, because I'm telling you, I don't want to say it. I don't want to think it. I... It, that's hard work. And that as you do that, the, the perseverance, because what it makes me do then, and it makes us do, is decide what we're going to do with sin that's confessed. Through the grace of God, I have a wife who takes me to the cross of Jesus and tells me, I forgive you, and I love you, and so does he. And the peace that comes through our relationship with Jesus Christ, with my God, is now extended to my family. And I'm not gonna lie to you, that, that as I look over time, we probably went for, from four-day to three-day to two-day of not talk to, to getting to a point now where, where we, we're able to just, through repeated effort, say, what's going on? I mean, let's, let, let's try to work through this a little bit. And, and what you do as you go through this, where you develop in your spiritual muscles, your spiritual forgiveness muscle. And, and, sh- and so showing kindness to someone that you're upset with, someone who has hurt you, showing forgiveness to them, showing love. My goodness, do not try to do this without being loved by Jesus Christ first. Don't try to have this peace with someone else without understanding the peace that you have in Jesus Christ. And to help us a little bit more understand that is the next verse, Romans 5, verses 6 to 8. You see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is not how I forgive, and it's not how I operate in the family. I'll forgive you when you fix the tire. I'll forgive you when you get the keys out of the car. I'll forgive you when you get me the right directions and fix the interior. Make it better first, and then we can talk about loving one another and having peace again, but not before that. That is not the way God deals with you. Not at all. And, and, and so you can fill in the, the, the blank. The beauty of Jesus' suffering was that it was done for sinners like you and me. And the beauty of your suffering and the beauty of the suffering of the person next to you is that it's done in the light of what Christ has already done for you. The beauty of it is it comes from Christ's unconditional love for you and it is an unconditional love that you're able to share with others as well. We continue. Since we now have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? So we're not going to be punished by God. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Let's do the blank right away. Jesus' payment for sins brought about a reconciliation with God. And sometimes reconciliation 
in a family. Reconciliation with God is taking, is taking two parties that are apart and taking what's in between them and bringing them back together. Jesus Christ took away the sin that separated us from God and brought us back together. There's reconciliation. Now we're one with God. We have peace with God and we enjoy that peace. Now, as I said this, that this happens with God and, and sometimes with family. And the reason why I say that is because in your relationship with whoever it is, whomever it is, there's only one person you can control. And even that person, you, you have a hard time controlling. That, that what you can do is continue to go back to the, the peace with God and, and the, 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 the fact that Christ died for you while you were still a sinner, loves you unconditionally. But now you're in this situation where, where there's this other person that you can influence, that you can encourage, that you can show kindness to, that you can love. But the reconciliation is going to come when they do the same. I, I think you know that. I think you have been in those situations that are very painful. And what we're here today to see is, the, first of all, that it, it comes through Christ. And secondly, it's worth it. The, the last verse I have is, is just showing what that is like when we're all together. It says, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured down on the head, running down on Aaron's beard, on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Through the grace of God, I have enjoyed a good and pleasant togetherness with people. I have enjoyed it with my family. I have enjoyed it with the staff here at Crosswalk. I've enjoyed it with my growth groups. And I've enjoyed it in a, in a larger sense with this congregation. And I'm going to tell you, as I, I look around the room, and, I, and this is just kind of who I am as a person, I, I just have, I have guilt feelings regularly. And the reason why is because as I look around, I, I see people maybe that I should have given a phone call or I was going to get back to and I didn't, and, and with the busyness. And so in this, I guess I'm the, the trashed interior guy that I've sinned against you. And I think most of you, maybe not all, have forgiven me. And, and what that allows us to do, both in my family, as the staff, in the growth group, and, and as, as your pastor, is to enjoy this unity and share forgiveness and the peace of, of Christ, which we enjoy personally on a larger scale. That reconciliation is something I desire. <laughs> the, the closeness and the unity uh, is something that, that I just, I have come to, to a point where when, when I don't have it, that, that I must move forward and get whatever it is that's in out of the way. That, that I just enjoy the peace and unity offered in Christ too much. And it's my prayer that you will work the same as well. And my suggestion would be to start to the person who's closest to you to the extent that you are able. Enjoy the peace that you have in Christ. Thank God for his unconditional love and move towards reconciliation 
to someone who is close to you. So, before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, this is, this is a great message of, from your word of, of love and hope through Jesus Christ. And thank you that we are all able to enjoy that, that, that the blood of Jesus covers all of our sins and, and that we can enjoy today a reconciliation and a closeness with you. At times when we feel apart from you, Lord, or, or it feels like you're our enemy or you're not there, remind us of this peace. Remind us of all that Christ has done for us and assure us, Lord, that you definitely are there and, and loving us every step of the way. And now, Lord, with that relationship with you, uh, help us now to let it pour over into our lives. There are people that have hurt us. There are others that we have hurt as well. Help us, Lord, to, to practice forgiveness, to, to confess sin, to, uh, to, to love our brother and, and to forgive one another in love. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray.